Good morning, church. Please turn to Genesis chapter 22. Continuing our series through the book of Genesis this morning. As you're turning there, just a brief recap of where we are as we focus here again, kind of our last story that focuses in on Abraham. He was chosen by God back in chapter 12. Promise was given that through him, the world would be blessed, he would be blessed, his descendants would be as numerous as the sand, and they would receive a land. And Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And then God promised a son to Abraham and Sarah in their old age, if you remember. And that son would continue the promise, right? And after much waiting, ups and downs, family drama, that miracle son, Isaac, was born in chapter 21, a few weeks ago that we read. This is the one through whom, again, the promise, those promises to Abraham would continue. And despite all the issues that Abraham has had in the past, we've seen failures to trust God over the years, but we still know that through other things, we see God, Abraham as a man of faith, a man who has seen some of God's promises come true. He just received some of the land from Abimelech in the last chapter we stu studied last week. And also, remember, again, his son Isaac has been born. So he's probably buzzing at this point, seeing God's promises come to fruition. And then we get chapter 22. Now, this is one of the most difficult passages in Scripture, I think. It's frankly shocking. What God asks of Abraham is beyond comprehension. But it's God's holy word. Our man of faith, Abraham, will face his hardest trial yet. And as we go through it and examine this passage, there's three aspects of faith that I want to bring out in this section. So if you're taking notes, it's a tested faith, an obedient faith, and a gospel faith. Tested faith, obedient faith, and gospel faith. So let's read the passage together. We're going to read the whole up through verse 19. Chapter 22, starting in verse 1. This is God's word. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering laid it on his, Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, 
my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram, caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you've obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men. They arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Amen. Let's pray. Father, help us to gain a heart of wisdom, help us to see how this passage applies to us today. Father, it's a difficult one, but Lord, we can learn so much about ourselves through these passages of Scripture, where we're at with the Lord and where our faith is. So Father, challenge us and encourage us today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. It says there, verse 34 at the end of chapter 1, Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. So he's down in the southern part of the promised land at this time, and like I said, enjoying life, as it were, and some of the blessings of God. But then verse 1 of chapter 22, after these things, right, enjoying some time and enjoying God's blessings, says God tested Abraham. This is our first heading, attested faith. Now, before we get into this, I want to be clear here that this is not a temptation, but a test. God will never, ever tempt us. Scripture is crystal clear on that. James 1.13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Okay? But he will test us. He will bring us to places to challenge and grow our faith. And it's at this point God is going to test or show or to prove Abraham's faith, as it were. Okay? It's like an engineer who designs an airplane. The engineer might know that his design will work. And the calculations are correct. And he has faith that that airplane indeed will fly. 
But you better believe, no matter what, it will be tested before it can prove to the public that it's safe to fly, right? It's going to be tested. In the same way, it's one thing to claim we trust God, that we have faith in God and in Jesus, but it's quite another thing to actually put it into practice, isn't it? There are a lot of people in the world claiming that they know God, have faith in him, but their faith is never seen. It's never tested. And faith, right, is the foundation of our salvation. Amen? And Jesus, it's incredibly important. And faith is not a crutch, as some people in the world think it is, for weak people. And those people that say these things have clearly never opened their Bible, right? Because the tests of faith that we see in Scripture are not for the weak or faint of heart, clearly seen in this passage, right? I'm sure we know from our own lives as well. True faith, biblical faith, starts with Christ, and then it goes through tests, trials, and difficulty, like a fire refining a piece of metal. And here in Genesis 22, God's asking something of Abraham here to show us his faith, to put it on display, to test it. And boy, it's a difficult one. Verse, second half of verse one, God says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, verse two, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Take your son up north towards the land of Moriah, which interestingly is where the temple is eventually going to be built by Solomon. It's where Jerusalem is going to be in the future. And offer Isaac, your son, as a sacrifice to the Lord. No doubt this is a shocking test from the Lord. In more ways than one, right? Obviously we're talking about child sacrifice. But think about this. For all these years... God made this promise to Abraham. You're going to have a son. And you have this son. And now the Lord says, give him up. Abraham and Sarah love their son. Look there in verse 2. Take your son, your only son, whom you love. Right? They love their son. They've lived so much of their life up to this point in anticipation of that birth. And then he's born. And now, think about it. Their entire future is also built upon him, right? The promises to continue. And now God's saying, let that all go? How could he do this? Some of, this, some of us in this room are parents. But even if you don't have kids, we all have family or friends we're close to. Can you imagine the thought I have two sons, and I can tell you, I don't know how I'd respond if this test came to me. Take your son and give him up for me. There's no way to water this down. This is God's word. It's difficult. Now listen. God is not going to ask you to sacrifice one of your children even here, God wasn't going to kill Isaac, as we're going to learn. 
But he did ask him to do what? Offer him. But what God may require of you and will require of you at different points in your life is a test of your faith to see what idols and things that we're holding on to and if we're willing to give them up for Jesus Christ. Following Christ does bring with it sacrifices and trials and tests. Many in this room can attest to that and know if you've been walking with the Lord for any time, you know it's hard and there are sacrifices. Because if we truly have faith in God, if we believe in Jesus and all the benefits that we have in him now and in the future to come, then God will challenge us to see if we believe that is true by what we're willing to give up for him. For some, of, for some of us, it might be something just like dropping a bad habit that we have. Others might be something like leaving a job, moving to a new place, or even a new country. Remember Abraham, the first call to him was move his family away, and he obeyed. Might be sacrificing of money, possessions, worldly comforts. Each test of faith to a believer is proportioned to that person's walk with the Lord. And as believers, when our faith is challenged and tested, see, it's an opportunity for us to grow in him and trust him more, more and more. Abraham has had many tests in his long life. We've seen some of them, haven't we? Like I said, he was tested in his faith right away to leave his country and go to where God told him. He didn't know how it was going to work out. He just said, go. He obeyed. When he gave Lot first choice of the land, he, he proved again he trusted God. But other tests, he also he failed, didn't he? In Egypt with Pharaoh and with Abimelech, he responded in fear by telling them Sarah was his sister instead of his wife. But see, in, in the victories and the disappointments, as we're tested in our faith, It's an opportunity to learn and grow in our trust of God, just like Abraham did. And here is this ultimate test, if you will. God is testing Abraham's faith. Not in the promises themselves, but in God. I want to get that clear here. Because it is God he must trust for the promises to continue, right? Not in the promises alone. Promises are no good if the source isn't trustworthy, God. So he's saying, okay, I've given you all the promises. Do you trust in those alone or do you trust in me? Give up your son. God may be doing something in your life even now to test your faith to see if you trust God. And so the question is, will you trust him? Will you obey his voice? Will you walk in faith not knowing what the future is going to hold? But simply trust and have faith. Let's see what Abraham does. Verse 3. Abraham 
rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering, arose and went to the place of which God had told him. How did Abraham respond? Obedience. Notice it says he got up early. He did not delay. He did not debate or argue. He did not question God. He was obedient. This is an obedient faith. Second point. As one guy said, faith does not demand explanations. Faith rests on promises in God. And that's what Abraham does here. He trusted God. And then the promises that God made to him. And he walked in obedience, right, in light of that. Okay, he trusted him. He got his donkey ready, his servant supplies. He summoned his son. He headed out on this three-day journey north to Moriah. And I'll tell you, three days is a lot of time to think about what you're doing, right, going to do. Imagine the questions in his head as he's heading up there. How can I do this to my own son? Why did God not explain his reasons for for asking me to do this? How will God fulfill his promise to me if I kill my son Isaac? If I do this, how can I ever look my wife Sarah in the face again? But see, Scripture doesn't say he asked any of these questions. But you know what it does record? Abraham's obedience. He did it. He went. Here we have a tested faith that moved to an obedient faith. Abraham believed God, and his faith was shown in his obedience to God's commands. So if we, too, believe in Christ... That's where we say our faith is. Then we obey. We just sang that song. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, if you say you love me, you will keep my commandments. And see, the Bible that we have in our hand, right? Right here. This is God's word to us. This is his commands to us. To live for Christ are right here. So when that test comes, I guarantee God will speak through his word to show you how to walk in obedience. To show you how to follow him. Maybe you're struggling in a relationship in family, or in this church. And it reaches a really bad place. God exposes it. The test comes. His word says, love one another. Will you walk in obedience to it? It's as simple as that. Or you're struggling with finances, money. The bills are piling up. And then something happens car breaks down, or a big cost, a medical cost, or something, you begin to become anxious and worry, how am I ever going to afford this? The test comes. Does God's word say, 
Don't be anxious. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Will you obey? And then by the power of the Spirit through his word, he will give you the strength to obey and keep walking forward and develop a closer relationship with Christ. That's what he wants. Look here how Abraham continues to go forward. Verses 4 and 5 there. They reach the location. He tells the servants to stay put. They will be back after they worship, worship the Lord. Look closely at verse 5 there. Abraham says, I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. Now, you can easily read over that and not see the faith that Abraham just displayed. He was confident they both would return. Remember, Abraham at this point had no idea what God was going to do. He didn't know how he would spare his son Isaac. He just knew he would. He knew enough about God over his 100-year life to know that he is the God of miracles, right? Indeed, by all laws of human biology, <laughs> I mean, Isaac should not even exist, remember? Sarah's over 90. He was born to a woman whose womb had closed decades before. So the only explanation for Isaac's life was God. God gave them a son when all hope is lost. The God who did that miracle would surely do another on this mountain. In his own way, his perfect timing, he just had to trust and obey. And so Abraham put the wood on his son, verse 6, on his back, grabbed the fire and the knife, and Isaac and, his, and Abraham set off towards the place. But see, Isaac notices something there in verse 7. We have the fire and wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Honestly, it's just gut-wrenching to listen to this story, isn't it, a little bit? We don't know exactly how old Isaac is. Some say he's probably a teenager, maybe early 20s. In either case, he's old enough to understand, right? They were headed to a sacrifice with no animal, and he's old enough to carry the wood on his back, okay? Pay close attention now to Abraham's response to Isaac's question in verse 8. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. That is a bold and confident statement from our man of faith, Abraham, isn't it? He was confident that God would provide the sacrifice. Still, he didn't know. But he was walking forward with the Lord in obedience to his commands because he was 100% sure in God and his promises. Listen to what Paul says about Abraham in Romans 4, 20. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. And in verse 9, the drama comes to a climax. 
as Abraham continues to be obedient. Verses 9 and 10 there. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there, laid the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. It's powerful, isn't it? It's not in the text, but I just, I, I can't help but imagine what Isaac was thinking when his dad bound him. Did he struggle? Did he go along with it because he too had trusted God and his promises? Was Abraham crying as he laid his son there? I think of all these things because we cannot detach the human element from this. He loved his son. This is a real event. It got all the way to the point of Abraham about to slay his son, his only son, with the knife before God himself intervenes. He calls out from heaven there in verse 11, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And see, God doesn't just step in to stop the sacrifice. He also provides the substitute. Look at verse 13. There was a ram there caught in the thicket, and Abraham offered him on the altar instead of his son. He named that place, the Lord will provide. Test was over. His faith was tested. He was obedient. And his faith proved to us to be very strong. Amen? How strong? Listen to Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham believed God would overcome death. You see that? Resurrection had not happened yet in God's plan of redemption. But Abraham was so confident in God that if he went through with this sacrifice, God was going to raise him from the dead. That's incredible faith, isn't it? But do you understand something amazing? That is the same faith we have as Christians. We too believe we will be raised from the dead. Because Jesus was raised from the dead. This is the foundational, one of the foundational truths of the gospel that we believe. Our gospel faith. That we will be raised to new life. 
And in light of our gospel faith, take a step back just for a moment and reflect how powerful this test of faith is in pointing us to Jesus. A father takes his only son, whom he loves, to offer him on the altar. The father lays upon his son wood and carries it up the hill to the place of sacrifice in the land of Moriah in Jerusalem. And Abraham believed God so much that he, was, that he would raise him from the dead. And God provided a substitute sacrifice. And oh, again, that statement, when you think about it from Abraham, the Lord will provide the sacrifice. And yes, he did provide the sacrifice. Amen? Amen. Something even more scandalous than this scene. He provided his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Amen? That's who he provided as a substitute. How clearly and powerfully does this point us forward to the substitutionary sacrifice that Jesus would take my place, your place, on the cross as a substitute to pay for our sin and that true resurrection and his glorious victory over sin and death, all found in the good news of Christ, our gospel faith. And today our faith in Jesus, our confidence that we have in the gospel, is the foundation and fuel in which we then walk in faith. In Christ, we are promised also so much. We're promised eternal life, the glories of heaven, we will never again, we will never ever face the wrath of God. He promised to never leave us, never forsake us, that we'll be a child of God. I can go on and on about all the promises that we have in Jesus Christ. And when we look at what he did for us and what he gives us, you see it should give us the utmost confidence to walk in faith and obedience to his commands. You see? That's walking in our gospel faith. And when our faith is then tested, we look upon our Savior, and we gain wisdom and insight as we open his word, and then we walk in obedience in light of those promises to us. And then again, just like Abraham, we grow closer to God in our relationship with him. We learn to trust him more and more. And when we do, God blesses us. We see here in verse 15 through 19, he reiterates all the promises to Abraham. God reiterates again all the blessings to come. He says to him, I will surely bless you. And I can tell you, there are great blessings for us as well for walking with Christ. As we end, I think it's worth pointing out one more time 
the importance of our, our object, the object of our faith. We've talked a lot about the promises of Abraham, right? The future promises, and also some of the promises we've mentioned that we have in Christ to us. But see, it's not the promises and blessings alone that we hope or that we have faith because those promises are only good if the source is 100% sure, you see? And only one thing in the entire universe is trustworthy, true, and reliable, and that is Jesus. Nothing else in this world can be that. So if the object of our faith is Jesus, believer, we can have 100% confidence in those promises now and to come, and then walk in confidence and obedience to them. And if you're here and your faith is not in Jesus, then that means it's in something else, something in this world that is not trustworthy, I guarantee it, will not last, and it will not save you from the judgment to come. Only Jesus Christ can we escape the wrath to come and live with the Lord for all eternity. And all he asks, all he asks, repent and believe. Have faith, the faith we've been talking about. That's it, that's where it starts. But then to walk in obedience to his commands to show and prove that that faith is real. Believe in Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins. And you too will enjoy the promises that God gives us. Amen? Amen.